Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to a, another edition of RSG on the Road here at the Malvi Invitational. Uh, we're live from the remote studio at the Aston Mahana at Kahana Poly, where rooms and suites have ocean views and full kitchens. Uh, Aston Mahana at Kahani, uh, Kahani Poly is a home away from home. All our callers are brought to you by uh, Bowman Medical Group of Beverly Hills, California, where integrated healthcare specialists are committed to providing high quality, accessible, and compassionate mental health care services. Hey, right now on the Bowman Medical Group uh, hotline is uh, my guy, Phil Thompson, known to you longtime listeners as Phil T. Hey, welcome back, brother. We were trying to get the band back piece by piece. How you doing, man? D. Wills, it is wonderful to be back here with you, man. Getting the band back together like Bernie Mac uh, and Sam Jackson. Remember, remember his soul, man? <laughs> what you want, man? I'm trying to get the band back together. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm, trying to get the, I'm trying to get everybody back together. Right. I'm trying to get the band back together, man. You in? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's been crazy, man, because I've been underground. And I yeah. tried to, like, even bring y'all in on this because I wasn't sure it was going to come through. I don't want to bring the hopes up too much, but I, you know, I, I'm giving you an indication where we try to take this thing, man. And I know you've been doing your own thing. Yeah, but bro. Got, you the RZA. You the RZA. Yeah. It's it's been 25 years since Wu Tang came out. You the RZA. Hey, that's that's, that's it. I'm trying to bring it all back in there. Get the get beat right. But I tell you this, man. I haven't had a chance to talk to you in a while, and I, we all, you know, for people who know, they know Phil's from Kalamazoo, Michigan. He's a Michigan guy. But his second home is Cleveland. And man, as, as, our, as our young intern said, uh, there was a, uh, a rise in the unemployment rate in Cleveland. Because they got, it's like they got rid of everybody. Um, your Browns, your Cavaliers, as you reflect on what, where Cleveland's happening right now, how do, you, how do you reflect on what's going on with sports in, in Cleveland? Well, I think it's an exciting time. You come off of four four consecutive final appearances for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And when this run started, the city was in a drought. They were in a championship drought. And to mix that in, you had the Cleveland Indians make it to the World Series and also being competitive for the past couple of years. Um, and then the, the, the Cavaliers actually winning a championship in 2016. And, and I will say for on the record, um, I cannot say this in the barbershop in Cleveland, but we would not have won if, if Draymond Green 
would not have had that uh, lapse in judgment. Yeah. But we did win. Um, the city itself just just grew so much in terms of downtown, uh, the economy when, when LeBron came back. And unfortunately, he's not there anymore. But you know, I don't see that as a as a as a horrible thing in terms of a hit on him. You know, I think he came back. He had a great uh, job opportunity in Miami. Then he came back to Cleveland, and in my mind, he delivered. He over delivered, uh, and I think he had the right to go on and and do what was best for him, his career, and his family. Moving to L.A., um, the the Browns. To me, the Browns. This this is a year of improvement. Yeah, I'm a little. Uh, I was a little uh, confused why they got rid of Jackson. You know, if you're gonna get rid of Jackson, maybe you should have got rid of him after two seasons of only winning one ball game. But them looking so competitive the first five, six weeks of the season, winning a couple of games, um, tying a game or two, I, you know, I, I didn't necessarily see that see it as a time for him to leave um, or to be let go. Um, but I think it's still promising. You know, Baker Mayfield has been playing solid. You look at how Trubisky played last year in, in, in Chicago. Um, Mayfield's been more consistent than Trubisky did was, and we see how well Trubisky has been playing this year, a lot more consistent. Um, so, so overall, I, you know, I think Cleveland's in, in decent shape. Um, however, championships probably cannot be the expectation right now. It has to be a traditional rebuilding situation. We see how the Cavs are looking so far this year. And, you know, I was talking to, to, to the game changer not too long about this. And I said, you look at what happened to Cleveland when LeBron left the first time. They get a couple of number one uh, overall picks. That's how bad they were. Mm-hmm. And you look at how bad he looked now. To me, that's almost a credit to LeBron and his greatness. That's right. Uh, in terms of what teams are, essentially, they're, they're essentially the same team minus him. You know, um, Kevin Love's hurt, yes, and they made a few other smaller pick uh, uh, moves, but essentially it's the same team. And this is the same thing that happened when he left for Miami. Yeah, and, and it's interesting about that one. I, I, I felt like Ty Lue was like uh, Bodie when Avon went to jail. He was still trying to defend them corners, boy. <laughs> hold on. Slim Charles tried to tell him things don't change. He still was trying to fight that fight, and they took him out, man. I thought they did him wrong because they didn't give him a chance. He had to deal with all that noise when LeBron was there. I thought he did an excellent job. And I felt like given the fact that he won a championship and and was part of, I mean, having to pull teams together when they're making massive changes in the roster in the middle of the season. I mean, that's it. Part of it's having a great player like LeBron, but also was part of just being able to flex and flow with it and still find ways to get the pieces to work. I felt like he earned a right to try to get a run with this group, to work with some young guys without a lot of noise. How did you feel about how they kind of just had him exit in a way? I don't know. How did you feel about that exit? I felt like it was impatient. Um, Ty Ty Lue, I believe this was his first head coaching position, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, He was an assistant for Blatt and, and, and with Doc Rivers. And so we really don't know if he has the ability to, to rebuild a team. And I think he had earned the right to do that. 
especially as a coach who's won a championship, generally speaking, coaches in this league that have won championships, they're giving much, much longer rope. Yes, right. Um, and, and, and organizations t- tend to be much more patient um, with them. So I was really surprised that they let him go. Um, I, I think Lou is going to get a really strong opportunity because coaching LeBron and leading a team – um, that LeBron's on to a championship and, and and dealing with so much turmoil, there's no question that he can deal with the bright lights. So I think okay. he's going to get another good opportunity. Also, I believe that he can be very selective with his next opportunity. I think he, I think you're right. He should be very selective with that. One of the Browns' rivals that have had their own set of issues, but they've been overcoming them, my Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm. I don't know if you've been – I know we've been kind of – uh, in and out on RG with the NFL, you know, um, given <laughs> Kaepernick situation, but 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 this speaks to players' rights, players taking power. We often yeah. talk about that. So Le'Veon is he setting precedent? Uh, you know, do you think he's gonna get paid? Uh, are the other play- folks you think will follow in his footsteps? He's gonna set an entire seat. He's Michigan State guy. Yeah, I think Le'Veon is. So for me, it goes back to the 2010 um, free agency class with LeBron. And, you know, here I come back to LeBron. That group of free agents, uh, Bosch, Stoudemire, Boozer, a lot of really big name guys, they said, you know what, we're going to figure out what works out best for us. We're going to take away some of this power from the owners, from the GMs, from the organizations, and really advocate for ourselves. And what I see with Le'Veon is it's equally as trailblazing in my mind. You have a position that when we were younger growing up, the running back was a cornerstone of a team, in some ways even more than a quarterback, or maybe right on the same par, like on par with quarterbacks. Um, Nowadays, running backs are seen to be interchangeable. And um, I... I actually feel that Le'Veon is doing what's best for for him in his career, and I don't have a like I don't have an issue with that at all. So so I like the move. Um, I think that social media and some other moves that he's made um, has made has made himself more of a target um, for criticism. I would almost wish that he just would be quiet and stay away and not show himself working out and not doing all that stuff and just be ready um, for whenever he does come back. So I think um, him doing those things has kind of hurt himself, himself in the uh, court of public opinion. But, but overall, I like the move and I think he will get paid given that he's an elite receiver. He's an elite running back. You put those two things together. Um, the only knock against him is um, not being able to suit up every day because every game because of off off the field issues. So I think he has to find a way to overcome that. And if he overcomes that perception, I think he'll be fine getting a long term contract this off season. Well, well, we'll keep track of that because I think it fits a lot of uh, what we uh, we you know we're talking about in terms of player rights at all levels. And you know, football has been one of those places where they, the players haven't had the ability to kind of really flex and flow um, and be unified uh, to see a player like this at this point in his career do some of this. Uh, you listen to RSG uh, on the road at Maui. Uh, we're, we're live from our remote uh, studio at Aston Mahana at Kahana Poly. 
Uh, we want to thank them for uh, hosting us here. Um, and uh, on our hotline, on our Bowman Medical Group hotline, we have you know one of our really our, our stable. You talking about you talking about a twenty and ten type of guy when he's on the air. Uh, our man Phil Thompson, and this is tricky. Letting y'all know the big show is coming back. You know we had to get past this big one, y'all. I know y'all been listening. Y'all been hungry. The group is coming back together. Uh, he's been dropping that knowledge for us today, uh, and we're loving it. Uh, I want to hit him a little bit on this college, you know, college football championship series. He's heating up a little bit, um, and and things are, are are going well. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what are the highlights been for you so far with this? And you know, uh, and and a second point along with that, you know, everybody's been talking about UCF and. Uh, they just had another big victory over Cincinnati. You know, is are they getting it wrong when it comes to this team who's put together over 20-something uh, victories in a row? Uh, what's some of your thoughts about what you've kind of seen with that series this year? So, yes, I feel like the college football championship series is getting it wrong. However, I do believe it's the best system that we've had um, ever in college football. I, I see that there's been a natural progression from the bowls that were – um, very concrete and stuck into conference alignment and conference champions. Um, to 10 to 15 years ago, we moved to the BCS system with the computerized rankings. Um, and now we've moved to this um, where there's a 14 playoff. I think it's been a beautiful um, progression to where we are right now. However, it's still deeply flawed. Um, I, I feel that this will be the year where the football uh, the, the playoffs will be expanded to either eight teams, 12 teams, um, six teams, something bigger than four because we are we are prime right now to possibly not have uh, multiple co- conference champions from from power five conferences not make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. This can possibly happen. I think the second big wave that is going to push this over the edge to expand it would possibly be UCF going undefeated for a second consecutive year. I mean, it it goes against like what this country <laughs> is built on, where the little guy has a shot right. with hard work, with grit, with everything else. And UCF, you know, and, and I work with a guy, Dr. Kemp. You know, he's a graduate of UCF. And whenever college football comes comes up, he says that UCF is 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 the true national champion. Mm. And you know, I used to laugh at my man a couple of weeks ago, but now he started to get my attention. Yeah. And what more can you do? What more can you do? I mean, this is what the NCAA basketball tournament is built on. You have a team like this. So in this system, you the UNLV teams of the early nineties. They would not have had a shot. That's right. The UNLV basketball teams, they would not have had a shot. That's right. They came from a mid-major conference, the Big West, and were clearly the best team in the country for a couple of years, but they would not have had a shot. And so, I again, I think the combination of what UCF is doing, and I, I don't see UCF losing the next couple of weeks. You know, whoever they play in the bowl, I think they're going to be competitive against them, possibly, you know, likely beat them. And this team could easily be 28-0, 27-0 over the course of two years. So I think the combination of that and then having a couple of pissed-off commissioners mm-hmm. from the Pac-12 
or the Big 12 or the Big 10. Um, like, I think it will push it over. Or maybe you go to six teams where the top two teams have a bye, like the opening weekend, almost like the NFL. Um, like I, but I do see the, the playoff expanding as soon as next season. Yeah, I think you hit it right on. And, and the thing I've been saying is that until Alabama played LSU, um, you know, they didn't have a really good strong streak of schedule. They weren't playing a lot of – but they were building what they thought about Alabama on prior record, not just this season, but what they saw last season. Yeah. And that's the methodology people use, but then they don't apply that. When it comes to applying it with UCF, um, they – people change it. I'm like, well, how can you do this in Alabama – and I wasn't saying that they should start out in the top four, but those opening rankings should have had them at least at number eight or nine. It, you know, to be at 12 was a political statement with a team that won that many games for the same reason you just said about UNLV, you know, given the fact that they beat Auburn team that everybody thought was pretty good, was making a run towards a, a national championship. Yeah. All of a sudden we conveniently say it's because they weren't motivated. So I, I think you're hitting on a really good point. And I think if they go undefeated this year, there's really going to be some problems when, um, you know, uh, when it comes to people evaluating whether or not this is a true meritocracy, which is what you want. You know, if you win, you get rewarded. And, yeah. and they, they haven't been doing that. I think it's still a win for the college football because uh, there's been more interest around college football since they moved to this playoff. And even the controversy of the number of teams that should be in the playoff, I think is, uh, you know, it's almost like how the NFL was a few years ago. Okay. All good conversation about this playoff thing. Um, it's like free advertisement. I, like, I think it's it's good for a brand that five, six years ago was dying in my mind. And one of the trends we've seen lately um, is, I mean, with such this pressure to try to get your team in, benching up productive quarterbacks. We saw it happen in yeah. Clemson, Notre Dame, in Alabama, where otherwise these quarterbacks were very productive you know, usually poor, poor play gets you benched. They didn't quite have poor play, but the coaches just thought the second option was going to be better. I mean, have you seen, I mean, have you seen something like this before? Uh, like, what is this, what do you, what do you think about this benching of what I'd say otherwise productive quarterbacks? Um, so my reaction is much different than the most recent um, trend of this that I can remember. And I go back to Alex Smith when he was playing very well in San Francisco and Kaepernick was coming up. And I think Smith got injured. And generally speaking, you, you do not lose your job due to injury. And Harbaugh made the decision that we could probably be a nine and seven, 10 and 16 with Smith. But we have the potential of being a 14 and 2, 13 and 3 team with Kaepernick. Because he just brings something special to the table. I think because the bar has increased so much in college football um, with, with the pressure of making the playoffs, um, these coaches, they have to be even more forward thinking. And this is why Hertz got replaced in Alabama. Hertz is an excellent college football quarterback. Um, is he as great of a college prospect as Tua? Absolutely not. But Tua gives you uh, an opportunity to be special, an opportunity to bring something to the table that Alabama teams normally don't, having a dynamic, balanced offense that can beat you multiple ways. And, and so I get it. I really do. I think the decision was less clear for Notre Dame and Clemson. Yeah. Um, 
especially with a untested freshman quarterback with a situation in Clemson. But so far, you know, again, Clemson is like, wait a minute, we're playing against a giant. Like we, we have the potential to play against Alabama. You know, if everything evens out either in the first round or the championship game, like the national championship game and what we've done in the past, it ain't been good enough. Except when we had a game changing Vince Young type of cat in Deshaun Watson. And so I get it. I don't like it. It doesn't make me feel good when you see cats that bide their time, wait, they're patient, um, they drink the Kool-Aid of the system, and when it's their time, they're winning ball games, they're making plays, but they're just like, and they're getting A minuses, A's, but they're not A pluses. And a lot of time, the idea of potential is beating out guys that are all conference, you know, second, third team, all American uh, uh, caliber athletes. But, but I get it, I, especially when you watch Alabama. Um, and I saw Notre Dame in, in person when they came to Virginia Tech. And this was, I think, the second game that the current starter had, had played. And this kid completed 80% of his passes mm. and picked Virginia Tech apart. It, it was a type of Notre Dame team that I had not seen on offense in years. But at the same time, you said, you know what? This is what they need to do if they really want to compete with the likes of Clemson and Alabama. So, so I do get it. Well, hey, uh, we're we going to keep watching that. Um, and I think I agree. With the, the Alabama one I felt like was different. In some ways, I applauded uh, Saban for being courageous at a time when most coaches wouldn't have been that courageous in yeah. a championship game. And then it was pretty obvious this is going to be a quarterback competition that, uh, that was going to be won by Tua. That was a totally different situation. I think you're, you're right in the other two teams. I would remiss before I let you go because I, in some ways it's, it's kind of like, you know, our Detroit native, Anita Baker, I apologize. <laughs> you know, uh, I've been the one, uh, Lamar probably listening out there, all my guys who are Duke fans, you know, I, I've been the one calling camp kids. Every time I get these guys, I sit down Duke, Duke, Duke fans and in places call them camp kids. But Time out, bro. You got to define what your definition of camp kids is. Because I remember asking Ray Thomas on the air, Ray, what is a camp kid? And, and, and Ray broke it down in a way that I completely got it. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, the, you know, it's, it's the kids that, that need all the elements to be right. You know, in the camp, you know, you know, the camp kids, those are kids fundamentally sound need all the elements to be right. They're not the kids you necessarily going to see. You know, you play on that court where the wind is kind of blowing. You're going to scrape your knee. You got to fight for next. But if you lose, you're going to sit on the sideline for four hours. You know, the park kids, it, it's like you, you got you to be a little bit of a hustler to make sure you can get in the game. You got to make sure you get picked. You got to be like, who you got with you? You know, it, the rim might not be right. The elements might not be right. Your back might not be right. But the camp kids, they get all the elements. They, sometimes they come and they got the best shoes. They, they ride in on the best planes. They ride in on all that stuff. The, the junkyard kids, they just got on the same color shorts. They might have they bought them over there at Walmart. They just came in and they just battled. And I always felt like, you know, Duke, you know, they fly first class. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, you know they, they, they get the meals right. You know, and... But then I saw these kids play, and it's been a while since I, I, I think they made this transition to be truthful. But these kids that they got right now, when I saw them against Kentucky and the way they flexed, the way they just, they, the demeanor, the, I mean, I thought I was watching UNLV. 
I thought I was watching, you know, see web I mean, they was, they stunned on them. And I said, in just blue Calipari away. Um, so I, I apologize. I mean, Coach K has just come on over to the dark side. I mean, literally, I said, I saw, I wanted to give him a hug, but I couldn't do that when I saw yeah. him at the press conference. Now, but now what now what exactly are you apologizing for, Devon? Well, I'm I'm apologizing for uh thinking that Coach K wouldn't get some of these junkyard dogs, I think. You know, I think so you're gonna make me really milk this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, bro, you're not gonna brush over this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go down with this one right now. Uh, you know, I just you know, as, as Jalen would say, Jalen said that. I don't know if Coach K would have ever come down here to Detroit to get me. And, I, and that's not really the point, but I just think that I think um, his, and I asked him this question. Um, I think the work that he's done with the national team, given the backgrounds where all those players came from and just the way he connected with the different, I think that's really helped him in this new era one and done um, in a way that's allowed for him just to kind of really not only grab these kids, but grab in ways that make a difference and bringing in all these different kinds of personalities that you quite didn't always see. Like even a Brandon Ingram with the, you know, Brandon had a different look, you know what I'm saying? It just, kids were more clean cut looking in some senses, but bringing their personality much more so into the game. And I think his, his coaching the national team has allowed him to really have a level of comfort with all these different kinds of players. I think you see him coming together with this, this group. I don't know if you had a chance to watch him play, man, but what's your impression? I think Duke looks great. It's it's still early for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I so, – so Duke came to Virginia Tech last year, and Virginia Tech actually beat them at home. And you could see Duke – Duke, they brought off the bench Marcus Bolden. I think he's starting now, their center. Yeah. But he was a McDonald's All-American. Coming off the bench, only getting five to eight minutes in that game, and he easily could have started for the team that won. Th- this is how deep they are. And last yeah. year, they had five guys that were projected to be first round pick picks. And I'm not sure if, if they all win the first round. I'm not sure if Trent went. Um, but my goodness, the team was loaded. For me, it goes back to Kyrie. It goes back to Eldon Brand. Um, when Coach K seemed to embrace, hey, my guys don't need to stay four years. Um, mm-hmm. With Kyrie, everybody knew Kyrie was going to be a one-and-done ball player, and Coach K was there and signed up for it. For me, the the camp kid analogy and just the general hate that people have for Duke, and I'm not saying you're in this category, but um, to me it feels too convenient because – one of my first memories of sports was in 86 with that team with Johnny Dawkins and Billis and Tommy Amaker. I love that team. And they were the underdogs. They were, they were scrappy coach K. I I believe that may have been either one of his first final fours or his first final four. And they were the team that everybody was pulling for. And then they went on this historic run over the next six, seven, eight years, making the final four and nearly every one of those seasons went into uh, back-to-back championships. And all of a sudden people, you know, um, for, for whatever reason had like, like got this, this belief that you talked about the camp kids and this softness and, 
you know, and I just never bought into it. You know, Danny, uh, Danny Ferry, you look at uh, Hurley. I mean, those were scrappy kids, man. Those were scrappy ball players. And trust me, I grew up in Michigan. I had a reason to hate them when they beat my Fab Five. Uh, but, but again, like I've always appreciated what Duke brought to the table. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm kind of glad to see them grow in this, in this way. And in some ways, if you really take a step back, Calipari at Kentucky gets a lot of credit with embracing the one and done and, and finding ways to win with that. But he's only won one championship at Kentucky. And Duke's actually had more success over that same time period and um, is, is pretty close behind putting the number of guys in the NBA. Really, if you look at the last three years, they've doubled the number of guys that they've had in the first round. So, so I think uh, Coach K has really kind of saw what Kyler Perry was doing and saw the way that college basketball was going and figured out how to, like, like pretty much how to flip it to his advantage. Well, do you think they could beat the Fab Five? Everybody says, you know, can this team beat the Fab Five? As somebody who watched the Fab Five and watching this team, is this a team that can beat the Fab Five? I want to I wanna punt on that for a minute. <laughs> Get, give me half a season. Give me That's an right. entire season. Um, right now I'll say no, and I'll claim it on ignorance because um, I did watch that Kentucky game, and they look dominant. Don't get me wrong. They look very dominant. However, I think the Fab Five looked very dominant um, early on, and when they almost beat Duke, um, when that like that was kind of the announcement, like the regular season game against Duke. That's right. Like that was kind of the announcement. Like, yo, we here. Um, I, to me, the Fab Five not only had these, you know, these these five, really three elite freshmen. And then you had two really strong freshmen in Jackson and King um, that did a couple of things at an elite level in terms of defend and finish. Um, but, but the thing about the Fab Five that I think made them really special was that you had guys coming off the bench who in some cases were former starters. That's right. In other cases were former um, all Big Ten performers. You know, if you look at um, the big guy, Riley. Eric Riley, yep. You know, led the league in rebounding, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so when you bring off that kind of depth, and they could go, you know, nine, ten deep. To me, I think that's what made Michigan so effective because foul trouble, um, injuries, disciplinary issues, these are things that are going to come up for this Duke team, or at least it's likely, especially a couple of those things. And they're not able to pull – Grayson Allen off the bench. They're not able to pull Trent off the bench. Like, those guys in the NBA. (laughs) They ain't walking through that door. They're not. They're not. (laughs) Well, man, I'm going to tell you this. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Uh, Live from the remote studio at the Aston Mahana at Kanapali. God, I'm getting myself together. Uh, uh, We're on the Bowman Medical Group uh, hotline. I'm here with Phil Thompson, Phil T., for those long-time listeners. Uh, man, it's been good. I know you're holding things down there on the East Coast, man. Uh, look forward to getting us all back on the, on the air here soon uh, so we can we can chop it up and, and catch up, man. And uh, I want to tell you to, you know, to have a, a blessed day. Thanks a lot, man. I've been really impressed with the direction you've been taking RSG and just, just happy to still be part of it. 
Uh, I want to, I want to put out a, uh, a spoiler here. You know, I, I think we got to get Seku and the game changer back out here, man. Yeah. You, uh, hustle and flows. The, the street's been, the street's been asking for it. That's right. They've been asking for it. So, um, starting to get a following there. So hopefully we can get those guys back on the air pretty soon, man. And, and you know, and Seku getting all those awards. So we need to get him while he get before he gets too hot. Uh, <laughs> we can't we can't afford him without free gear or something. We gotta get him. Uh, uh, but we, we gotta do it. You ride on. And for you got folks who wanna catch us, you can catch us on Real Sports Guys on all social media platforms. Uh, you can also catch us at Blog Talk Radio, uh, Real Sports Guys. Um, you know, we will let you know when um uh, a number of our podcasts uh, are out there, uh, including Inside the Park uh, as well, The Big Show, uh, One Mic. Uh, we're, we're trying to do it all. Um, and uh, it, all of us come with uh, uh, all these great guys who have committed and uh, come together with this. Uh, you know, that's why we have the Wu-Tang effect. They are all coming. You know, everybody dropping the album. We just all try to do it together under this RSG brand. So until next, you know, ne- next time from RSG on the road. At, at the Maui Invitational. This is D. Wills signing off. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.